going to start from page 431 and number four. And yesterday we talked about the idea that when we talk about as God as being the prime mover and creator, there's, it's still possible for them to also believe that God has existed and, the, sorry, that the universe has always existed. They don't believe that to be contradictory. If philosophers stray far away from the truth, we cannot blame them. They arrive at a knowledge of God only through logic, and this is what their logic caused them to believe. Someone who agrees with their philosophies will say to religionists the same thing that Socrates said to his countrymen. I do not dispute your divine wisdom. Rather, I tell you that I'm not familiar with it. Therefore, I indulge in human wisdom. As for the two religions, as much as they are close to us, they are far away from us. This must be so, for even Yoruba and his consorts are closer to us than these religions, since even though they were idolaters, they were nevertheless circumcised Jews who observed the Sabbath and other commandments. They violated only those few commandments that their need for rulership caused them to violate. This is a famous reference to the story of how after Shlomo Melech dies, after King Solomon dies, he leaves behind the son. The son's name is Rechavam. And Rechavam is a young person. And with all of the impetuousness and invincibility of the youth, is positive that his plan for the rulership of the land of Israel is going to lead to fruition. And although the people were complaining about the taxes, he listened to the young people's advice, not to the old people's advice. The old people said, lower the taxes. And the young people said, raise the taxes. It's kind of like similar to liberal Democrat today, if you think of it like that. And he listened to the young people and he raised the taxes. And, um, and what happened is it didn't, it didn't end up so well for him. You rub him, develops a break off, a splinter kingdom. Now, initially, Yerubim is a very righteous man, as the, as the Talmud tells us. And Yerubim develops this northern kingdom. And at first, the Jewish people were still coming to the Besamekdash, right, to the, the temple in Jerusalem for the high holidays. But Yerubim realizes that this is a threat to his rulership. Because ultimately, if everyone recognizes, everyone still has to go through the southern kingdom and go to like the seat of the southern kingdom, Right, which is where Rechavim is the king, to go worship Hashem. And the Beis HaMikdash this is not going to end well for his rulership. So Yerubim, remember, starting off as a good man, starting off with the right ambitions, but as we know, so often happens throughout history, and it happened over here too. Once the power is in his hands, then of course it starts corrupting him. And he de devises a plan so as that people will no longer go to the southern kingdom. And he sets up idolatrous worship in, in the northern kingdom. Right? So as to make sure that they no longer will go to the southern kingdom. So these are Jews who really they're doing everything right. And indeed, their initial intentions were completely correct. But Yerubim, and I'm sure he justified it to himself. He didn't tell himself, I'm doing this because I need power. He told himself, I'm doing this because although Rechavim has the right temple, and my northern temple is going to be nothing but a pale facsimile, that being said, the Jewish people, if they hang out with Rechavim, it's not going to be good for them at the end of the day. So I want to make sure they don't hang out with them. But of course, the real reason why he was doing it, whether he admitted to himself or not, is because he wanted the power. Okay? But even so, that's the only thing that they did wrong. And they acknowledged the God of Israel who took them out of Egypt, just as we explained regarding the makers of the golden calf. So when Yerubim is worshiping other, you know, in, in uh, idols in his temple, they're not worshiping idols in the northern temple because they believe that the idols have any sort of independent power. They're worshiping them the same way that the Jewish people worshiped idols when they were traveling through the desert. And that is they wanted to, they wanted to ensure, they wanted to sort of, you know, be able to connect to a, to a power in a more uh, a tangible way and not so abstract. And that's why they were building these idols. And so too with Yerubim, he had exactly the same intentions. 
The only advantage that the other religions have over Yerubim is that they abolished idolatry. But once they moved their locus of divine service and sought divinity in a place where it cannot be found, in addition to their altering most of our ritualistic commandments, they moved very far away from us. It's pretty interesting that he, he seems to be saying that indeed if they were to have stayed with a holy place in, in being Jerusalem, then indeed, if, and they would have kept most of the ritualistic commandments, they wouldn't have been so bad, right? I want to be clear, he means relatively speaking, right? He means relative to where they ended up. He doesn't mean that Jewish people would have been okay to worship, you know, uh, you know or to believe in, in the power of, of Yashka. It doesn't mean that that would have been okay, but he means if they would have at least retained most of that, then they would have been more closely aligned with Yerubah as opposed to what they ended up being. The Guzari said, there were even worse sects in Judaism than Yerubim's. We must sharply distinguish between Yerubim's group and Achel's group. Those who worshipped Baal were completely idolatrous. In other words, when Yerubim's times, he built a temple, was not allowed to, but he built a temple, and he put up an idol. But he said, we're going to worship God, and this will be our representation of God to help in our service of God. It was not pagan worship, per se. But Baal was a completely different story. And Ahab was a later king. And Elio says to Ahab's people, if God is the Lord, follow him. But if Baal is the Lord, follow him. In other words, these were two diametrically opposed views. They could not be reconciled. Whereas Yerubim's view, as the same way that the Jews in the desert with the golden calf, in theory, in their mind, it could have been reconciled with God. It was only regarding Ahab's group that the sages questioned how Yehoshaphat was able to eat from their table since they were idolaters whereas they did not depict Yerubim's group in this way. Furthermore, Elio did not decry the worshiping of Yerubim's calves as he decried Ahab's people by saying, I have been exceedingly zealous for God, the Lord of the hosts. This is because all the deeds of Yerubim's group were done for the sake of God, Lord of Israel. The prophets were genuine prophets of God, whereas Ahab's people, prophets, were prophets of Baal. Furthermore, Yehu ben Nimshi arose to destroy all that Ahab had done using a clever ruse to gather all the worshippers of Baal together. St. Ahab worshipped the Baal a little, but Yehu will worship it a lot. He continued until he destroyed all memory of the Baal. However, he did not do anything against Yerubim's calves. Right? So we're trying to show how they're trying to show how the how Baal is a completely different mindset than Yerubim, and how Yerubim, his sin is not quite as bad as the sin of taking away the divine, divine locus and, and what the what our focus is in terms of what we worship. It is interesting that this part right here is being said by the Kuzari, because it seems like this is actually correct. And typically we don't give him too much good stuff to say, right? He doesn't typically get a lot of that stuff. Thus, the makers of the original golden calf, the Yerubim's group, those who offered sacrifices on private altars, and the worshippers of Micha's idol, all these people's intentions were for the sake of the God of Israel. However, they all committed a sin for which the penalty is death. Okay, so basically like this. These four groups of people, they all believe in God. They all believe that they're worshiping God. They all are doing building these idols for the sake of actually worshiping God better, for making it more real, more tangible. That being said, of course, they weren't allowed to do that. And of course, it's still forbidden from the Torah and with the punishment of death if they actually engage in it. This is like a person who marries a sister, either for some legitimate reason, or to satisfy his lusts. Yet he still fulfills all the laws of marriage as they were commanded by God. Whereas like the Jew who eats pork, but is careful to slaughter it, drain its blood and so forth, and salt it in accordance with the laws of Kashrut as they were commanded. Right? It doesn't make any sense. 
So, of course, ultimately, they did commit a terrible sin. But you want to know which one went further away? People whose in intentions were correct, but actions were wrong, or the people whose intentions and actions were wrong? Of course, the latter group is worse. The group of people whose intentions and actions are both wrong, that is far worse than the group is just intention is wrong, but actions, I'm sorry, intentions were right and actions were wrong. Okay. Take care, everyone. Be well. Good night. If I don't see you, have a good job. Bye-bye.